0: All right, Two Planker Podcasts. We got a special guest today, Kieran McVeigh. What's up, dude?
1: Not much, man. How are you? Good.
0: So <laughs> I'm here at X Games right now, doing my thing. Yeah. A little under the weather, so everyone, I apologize for the voice. But uh, I wanted to get this done because I've always wanted to do like a "Where in the world is so and so?" Like somebody, somebody we haven't heard from in years. <laughs> and you're like the perfect person to start with because every couple you know i'd say like two times a year maybe or maybe every year someone posts a thread on new schoolers and they're like where is kieran mcveigh so we tracked you down so i mean let's just let's get right to it where where have you been at for years dude
1: uh i mean for the last couple years i've been uh in, in the boston area doing like uh research and grad school stuff um But really what happened is I, uh, you know, I I, like towards the end of like where people knew where I was, you know, like I don't even know what year that I was. I had started going to college and basically I just had like one or two injuries that combined with like being in college and I was in college in SoCal. And so it wasn't like the most conducive place to be skiing a lot, Uh, you know, I just sort of fell off and went from, like, full-on skier trying to ski all the time. Like, my first year in college, I was skiing, like, five days a week, but from the L.A. area. Uh, And then, you know, I got one or two injuries, all, all, like, shoulder dislocations. And then I just transitioned to, like, being fully in the ski scene to just, like, having more and more friends at college. So that's, like, you know, the... <laughs> that the like I don't know what happened, but I think it just it, it. I think part of the reason people always have that question is it was such an abrupt like one year I felt like you know I was kind of on the come up, still like emerging almost in the scene, and the next year I just gone I had like one or two shots, one or two edits, and then there was nothing. Yeah, and I feel like you know a lot of other like a, a lot of people have gone like done different things but they're more of like a fade to black whereas i just like cut to black and so i do like it kept people wondering more
0: it's so uh, ridiculous <laughs> and then i saw you in an edit i think it was like uh the Talty dan uh rail jam recap and you have like yeah, one I, clip in it from last year i was like did anybody else uh, see like that's him right there <laughs> it was
1: so funny yeah, yeah yeah that's like been one of the cool parts about coming back to the east coast it's like You know, I'm I'm from Vermont. uh, And so, particularly after I'd been here for like a year or two, uh, I started going home and skiing a little bit more. And it's like, I'd go back to Sugarbush and see everyone. uh, But then, call T would like kind of call me up sometimes and be like, yo, come out. And he was trying to, I think last year, a few times, he hit me up and he was like, oh, we're coming to Boston. You should come hit some spots with us. But now it's like, I ski so little that it's. I would be deathly afraid to just go out and try and hit urban, you know? Yeah,
0: Yeah, and, okay, so, I mean, we'll continue on this track for for people that know you, but people that don't know you are probably so confused what we're talking about. But so you also were in Alabama for a little while. Is that what, I think Dan said that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, so I went to college in SoCal, And then after I graduated, I did this, um, like, fellowship, which is kind of like, do you know what Teach for America is? I do, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that except for startups. Uh, And so it's, like, you know, the capitalist version of Teach for America. Um, But so through that, I ended up getting a job in Alabama and was living in Birmingham, which was, it was, like, the most random place, and I was definitely, like, you know, really scared to move there. And, like, I had, all like, all my friends from college were just making so much fun of me, like, being like Alabama is, like, the worst place to move. But I I loved it, actually. Like, I had made so many good friends uh, from both people that lived there and then people that were in the same program. Uh, and it was just so nice, like, being in kind of a, a small city. Like, we're, you're from Connecticut, right? It's yeah, like-
0: Connecticut, yeah. Where in Connecticut did you grow up? I'm from Burlington, Connecticut. So, right by Ski Sundown. Oh,
1: sick, sick. Yeah. Uh, but so, I don't know. I, I don't know how much time you spent in cities, but my experience was essentially like growing up in rural Vermont yeah. and then like going to LA for college. But I wasn't really like fully in the thick of it in LA. But then it was like, oh, you know, a city can also be like Birmingham, where it's like, you know, under a million people you can get anywhere in like 15 minutes in a car uh and it was just like super livable in a lot of ways although it's a city with a lot of problems too but like you can you know i was insulated from those in a lot of ways
0: yeah well i'll i'll share a story with you so i'm also like Arlington is rural connecticut and i took a i took a job one time it was a part-time job just like a gig. they required me to move to jackson mississippi for like three or four months so i did the same thing as you just moved down to just some dump down south yeah and just and on, you learn a lot down there like but uh yeah I, would, yeah I would not settle there ever
1: yeah well i i'm i'm positive on birmingham i'm like it's a city with problems but like i'm like if there were a surf break somewhere around birmingham I would happily move back there like for the rest of my life
0: probably damn you're up on yeah. it that's yeah, yeah just only good memories from that yeah. really that's good um yeah all right so now i'll give my perception of you before we tell people who you are yeah so, like around 2013 you were popping off and i'm just a, mm-hmm. at the time i'm a 15 year old living in connecticut and you're like a regional legend there you know <laughs> like you got new england locked down so this is what i remember i remember the hoodie over the helmet i remember yeah. no poles ever and i could just in like my mind's eye i could see you doing like a tail press and i could see the nordica logo under your <laughs> skis like a fisheye shot of a tail press and i could see the nordica and <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's just wrapped up with all the other memories of like the YMR videos, Liam yeah, McKinley, the yeah. goat filmer. So yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. It's like half of that is like due to Liam, you know, like because uh, yeah. he was, yeah, it was just like really lucky for all of us that like Liam was there and like making those videos and because uh, that really helped all of us. But I think everything you said is more or less like spot on of yeah.
0: what so I was doing
1: and what was.
0: Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning. Like yeah. so you're from Vermont. You're from rural Vermont. Yep. Give us a little yeah. bit of of the Kieran backstory.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so I'm from Vermont. I grew up like my neither of my parents really skied. Um and I grew up actually snowboarding. Like I started snowboarding like pretty young at uh, like you know seven or eight snowboarded for like 5 years or something uh and then for whatever reason like during the summer i like found some videos on the internet or something but of ski blading like or or like what's what's the word they call it it's something else snow it's not like snowblading it's like ski boarding i yeah, think yeah. it's what the, like people that are in that call it uh and i got really hyped on that Bought a pair of those, like, on the internet over the summer. Started doing that. And then uh, for, like, a couple, like, the first half of, you know, a season when I was in, like, sixth grade or something. And then I distinctly remember I was riding up the lift with someone who I didn't know at the time, but uh, Sumner Fisher, who was, like, doing – it was a filmer, like, back in the day, also from Vermont um but then was out in utah for a while and we didn't know each other and he was just bashing on me for having the ski blades like he's like these things are so whack uh and then i just like remember getting off the lift and being like damn like i gotta get skis like you know this is dumb i shouldn't be on these anymore and so i switched to skiing and then uh after that i was just like pretty much fully hooked and like stoked on skiing and you know grew up skiing sugarbush stove for a couple of years um could yeah you, that's like the,
0: yeah could you describe the sugarbush scene when you were growing up because i'm very familiar yeah. with the current scene but like who were the heads that were there at the time
1: yeah yeah so i think it was like uh i think of uh, a couple people one is um Tony Chuchula or, or whoever, who was like the train park manager or started to be the train park manager. Because, like, it wasn't like a crazy scene when I was like, you know, 13, 14, 15. Uh, but then Tony really got it going um, and, like, brought a lot of people in, brought a lot of investment, like, made the park sick. Um and then the, also, like, you know, there's a bunch of other park guys still doing it. Like Trevor, I think his last name is Borelli, who's still there, is like, you know, helped make the park sick. Uh, but it wasn't like the full crew, you know, now. But a, a few of the like people, like when I was a kid, it was like the sickest skiers at Sugarbush, were like, uh, they were all on VT North pro shops. Like, I don't know if you've ever been around there. It's, like, at the base of Lincoln Peak, which is not where the park is. That's uh, the park's at Mount Ellen. And so, like, you'd see that they had, like, embroidered jackets and stuff. And I was like, oh, like, VT North pro shops. Like, that's so sick. Um, So, like, one person I really remember is Jack Staus, who also, like, moved to Utah and went to Westminster. Uh, He was, like, someone I really looked up to when I was a kid. Um, but then it was also like, uh, there were a bunch of, it was a really strong, like snowboard scene, uh, before the ski scene kind of popped off. Like it's still a pretty strong snowboard scene. Uh, but, so then it was like, and I actually rode like a, you know, like Vermont public transport bus from the the high school one down over from mine to Sugarbush, like every like weekend and vacation day in the winter. And I was, like, pretty lucky that there were two or three, like, really sick snowboarders that rode that bus, too. And so that's, like, Jeff the Forge and Charlie May, who were like, older, older, you know, a couple years older than me, uh, but went to high school with me. So that was, like, a big influence, you know, like, these older snowboarders. Um, And so that's, like, the scene, you know. It was just, like, it wasn't that, like, so crazy developed but it was like a lot of snowboarders sort of emerging uh and that's all when i'm like you know middle school through high school early high school uh and then like maybe in my junior and senior year of high school that's when it it's like starts a lot of the characters who you might associate with like the early days of sugar start emerging like uh connor gata he might have been there before but i didn't really know him before then um and then like liam and them they're all skiing there like franchino's coming up more uh, and then like tall t dan's around a lot more or that's like really when i started knowing him uh and then like um pj who's still there and he's uh, like runs the parks now Does a lot of that he's skiing for a little bit but now he snowboards his like early days. That's like when that scene started really going. Uh, but it felt like, like my senior year of high school. So that would have been like 2012. That's like, uh, you know, that crew was still really tight. It was like a ton of snowboarders and then like a few skiers, but like we all knew each other. And then I feel like the years after that, like that year was, um, the year we did sugar bush Sundays, which I feel like, uh, really help us all out is in, in terms of like gaining a little bit of notoriety
0: well there's actually a funny so in one of those threads okay. like where's kieran dan yeah. has a great comment he's like oh yeah. here's some great kieran edits if you want to see more just watch the second half of any Bush shunday like you were <laughs> you were that good that it was like taking up like a lot of the video well <laughs> it was also like uh
1: my own self-promotion in a way. I kind of like tried to convince Liam to do that. I was like, oh, we should do like a weekly edit series, Sugarfish Sundays. So it was uh, you know, I was pushing for it too,
0: you know what I mean? So you weren't even the best. You were just in the filmer's ear the whole time. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So you're putting out those videos. What else is going on? Uh, I mean, that's, like, so. Well, Ian Compton's there making the week, if it's around the same time period that I'm thinking of. Yeah, Ian Compton is there, but he's, like, uh, he's more of, like, it's, like, we had a crew that was, like,
1: 2012. So that year I was, my second half of the year, that was my senior year of high school. I was homeschooled and, like, kind of graduated early slash homeschooled to, like, look trying and look a little bit better for, like, college admissions, essentially, and I'd be like, oh, I'm out, you know? Like, I still care about school. Yeah. Uh, and it was, like, we had a crew that was there, like, pretty much every day. And that's, like, me, Connor Gata, Liam, PJ. And then Compton's, like, dropping by occasionally. But he was, like, he was all over the place, too. You know, Susan, not Snow. Okay. So he was there. Um, and that was that. And so that's, like, that year. And that's when I feel like I really started to pop off. And it's, like... The year or two before that, I had also been skiing at Stowe. Um, and so they were skiing, like, uh, I don't know if you know, like, Ben Grunow. He's, like, another, like, you know, like, he's, like, probably way before your time. But for me, yeah. it's, like, East Coast legend. Uh, uh, he's, like, you know, he's coached a lot of people over the years. Like, uh, like he was Hannah Rainville's coach, Max Gorham's coach. Uh, he probably coached Duncan Adams for some point. Like all the Stowe kids, he coached for a little bit, I think. Uh, so I was them at Stowe. And then like when Sugarbush kind of like the park started popping up, I went back over there. Um, so that's that's part of the context. And then I think the other like main thing that was going on for me that year was uh, I was going up to Quebec to film with like the ESK media. I don't know if you remember any, any of that. Yeah, it's probably buried in, in the memory somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I'd go up to, and film with them, uh, you know, occasionally that year. But it would be, like, they were who, uh, I think was, like, their main filmer. And he had just, like, hit me up after I made finals at Rails to Riches one of the, those years. Because, like, I don't don't know. I don't. Do they still do
0: Rails to Riches now? I I don't think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but that was like another really big East Coast thing, you know, of like, oh, like Rails to Riches. Do you want to talk about
0: Rails to Riches riches riches. a little bit? Because that that is such a big event that I feel like just like you just vanished off the face of the earth, (laughs) and everyone's just like, what the hell happened to that? Like, do you want to talk about like how? important it was because there were so many big names that are still big that uh competed in that and won throughout the years
1: yeah totally it,
0: it's almost yeah so like rail switches was
1: um you know it's a big rail drama, at killington like pretty early season always way down at the base and it had like pretty big cash rises like i, I don't know a couple grand like i can't exactly remember but it was like more than that, it was kind of like bragging rights and like culturally important. Um, and it's like you get, you know, like a good, like 50% of like all the best rail scares, you know, like Will Wesson would go every year. LJ would go every year. Um, Steve like Step, I, Steve Step, Kai went and won one year, Francino won one year. Uh, and it's like, oh, the Daedalys would always go, particularly when they were more, like, East Coast-based. And it was, like, a kind of who's-who's, like, proven ground of, like, rail skiing on the East Coast. Um, but, yeah, and then it's just sort of faded. I think it's actually a similar thing because I know – I'm going to forget her last name, but I know for a long time there was an events manager at Killington. And her first name was Tess. I don't remember. Tess Hobbs, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I could be completely wrong, but my sense is that once she left and I think she went to like, uh, maybe Woodward at Tahoe. Yeah. Um, I think once she left, like it might've fallen off a little bit, but I, also it seems like a lot of those events kind of fell off. So I don't know if it's exactly well, that.
0: It's it's insane. Like we saw the same thing at ski sun now with Jared Moss, not to diss the guys currently running the ski on park, but it's like You. Some people have such a big impact that you just completely take for granted until they're gone. And you're like, damn, they're not here pushing for that anymore. And all of a sudden, this thing that we loved is just gone forever because, like, it was, you know, it was their baby.
1: Totally. Dude, and I, I think it's like, um, you know, I was talking about Tony, the the terrain park manager at Sugarbush, like, when I was, like, <clears throat> in high school and before. And it was like he just, you know, he, he actually passed away a couple of years ago. I don't exactly know what happened, but I was like reflecting on that and I was like, damn, like this dude really made something that like and like made a community that's still going mm-hmm. and had such a like positive impact on my life and so many other people's lives. And I was like, you know, that's that's awesome. And I I you know, I just was just feeling super thankful. And so I think it's like you know, that made me think, and it's it's something I've talked about with, like, Talty before, where it's, like, not exactly this, but where you're, like, you know, you can make a really big impact in, like, the skiing community, and it's kind of, like, you know, from the outside, it's, like, oh, it's free skiing. It's, like, kind of, like, I don't know. It's just these, like, privileged rich kids or, like, whatever. It's not that big of a deal, but it's, like, if you have a big positive impact on everyone's, like, all these people's lives, then I think, like, you know it's not you're you're not mother teresa but it's still it's just like a good thing and so like thinking about tony and then all these other people that have like made these uh like places and experiences that were super important for me i'm like oh i i this is just a good thing and i i think that you know on a slightly a failed note it's like seeing the more kind of community focus that from the outside like i'm not in the free skiing community really at all anymore uh but seeing that i'm like oh this is a this is a good development like and i i think it's great
0: yeah i think it i don't know i i forget who i saw post this who i what i heard but like it really there really is something to like being a part of a community Like or like Recognizing community becoming part of it and then having an impact on that community that you can see no matter how small it is It doesn't matter. Totally. Yeah, and it's so 100%. good for you to do that and then like who cares if like you're not If, if you're not mother Teresa exactly like yeah totally. There will be people that remember you for the rest of their, their life because of the impact that you had on a community that you shared together and like totally. How fulfilling is that that's great? totally yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's
1: great. Yeah, and, like the map, totally that for me growing up, you know? Like,
0: yeah, that's
1: where I spent like all my free time in the winter. And and so, like, it was, yeah, it's like, I don't, who knows where I would be, what I'd be doing. I don't think I'd, I think I'd just be doing something. Yeah. I don't know, but it was great. Like, and I feel <laughs> thankful that I
0: had that. Yeah. Dude, I just remember being down in Connecticut. Watching all the videos you guys would put up, and we're gonna address the elephant in the room. We'll say this once. This just shows okay. how the times have changed. YMR, <laughs> the, the oh, ski crew, so Young bad. Money retarded, is what it for. That shows how far everything's come. Yeah. So YMR, with the most ridiculous name for any ski crew, you guys were putting out, like honestly like some cultural gems that have mostly been lost to vimeo blowing up but i just remember like loving these videos and it's so funny because you guys were only like you know like five years older than me but i was like these guys are like superheroes you know dude like celebrities but in reality it's like oh this has like probably like a couple thousand views on it it's all like new england kids
1: (laughs) dude i uh it's like so people will i mean it's yeah so it's it's funny you talk about it like that because people like occasionally it's like once or, once or twice a year people are like find a thread about me on new schoolers like unrelated people that like don't know i skied uh and will they'll, they'll be like oh my god you're famous <laughs> and i'm like i'm like a i was like a hyper local celebrity you know <laughs> it was probably like 2000 kids But like to those 2,000 kids, I was like a big deal, you know? And it's it's just funny how it works like that. But yeah, uh, uh, I was certainly not involved in naming that, but you know, I think it is just like, no no one would call it that now. And it's like, it's a a relic of the times and we should have called it something better. Uh,
0: But yeah, that is, it is what it is. I think it was the perfect name for what you guys Uh, were. (laughs) It's, It's the perfect name. So, I don't know. You, you want to talk about YMR at all? Like, just how that crew came together, what those guys end up end up doing. I mean, it's just such a. It's a lot of yeah. names that people will recognize that they might not realize. Like, all were at the same place at the same time.
1: Totally. Uh, I mean, I think the thing is, I was not like. I was a little like I was more of a tertiary member, like, mm-hmm. and and more of like a later member. Yeah. To me, that was like, a, a like Killington focused crew that like came out like kind of like to me the, the like the most central people i think of that is like tallby francino charlie dayton liam was totally in it in the beginning uh and so like pj was there too um and then i'm not like are, are there other names you're remembering because that those are like the people that really
0: Everything is Check just to blended together, like Jeremy Velu, just germ You got a uh, Sheldon Donatelli running around in Vermont. Well, d- okay, I think that
1: was like that's like the later. That's like okay, once yeah. they all moved to bear. Bear, it's like with <laughs> Originally, it's like more Killington focused, and then yeah. I didn't even. I, yeah, and then all those guys. Maybe, maybe Sheldon was in it a little bit more because those were always more like Southern Vermont guys. But yeah, I didn't know. Funny. That well, at all, really, until like we, you know, they all moved to there and I was in LA, but like yeah. till everyone moved to California. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was definitely like when uh, all those guys were living in the house in there. Um, <laughs> that was it for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, we. I, I think Dan. I already asked Dan about YMR, and I think he set the record straight on what turned into what, and like who was because he made his whole series, the Tall Tea Tuesdays, and yeah. documented all of that. But for me, that's just all blended together. It's like, oh, oh. this is what the older kids are up to, and they're so sick.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's,
0: yeah. dude, it's it's also so
1: funny because I remember like, you know, like thinking about now i like you know now like a couple of years doesn't seem like anything but when you're like 13 and someone's like 16 yeah it was just such a big gap and you're like oh my god you know yeah and then i the thing i would always think about when i was a kid because i was like you know essentially competitive so i'd be like oh if i'm 13 now and they're 16 I'm like how much better do i have to get to be able to like do that stuff when i'm 16 <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yeah yeah so it's funny how like you know now that you're a little bit older it doesn't matter almost you know and it's It's like so funny like just the perception of it because now i look at like high schoolers i'm like oh you guys are all one entity but it's so much you see everything different when you're that age yeah totally totally. and it's like i'm uh so i'm
1: like 30 now yeah and i work with college students like all the time because i'm a grad student and so it's just like so funny being like You know, interacting with these kids who are like 12 years younger than me. But I was just in such a different stage of life. Like, it's not 100% the age gap. It's just like, you know, just like the things you're thinking about in college are just not the things you're thinking about, like, you
0: know, 10 years out of college or whatever, eight years or whatever. Yeah. Dude, all right. I want to transition this because when people talk about you online, they talk about you. pioneering the fat park skis and uh i want to hear i want to hear your thoughts on that do you think <laughs> you're a pioneer for fat park skis uh <clears throat> so
1: i was thinking about questions like this because i can you know you hit me up to come on and i was like oh what are what are some like questions i might get so like fat park skis, i think it was just really like uh like idea have you seen an idea
0: Idea. Yeah. It's a movie I, I recognize the name of, but I. Okay, so it's it's uh, Eric
1: Iberg filmed yeah, 2007, it. Like, yeah, two thousand seven. Yeah. Andy Mayer, Eric Pollard, and Tafuhas, and like they're all like riding no poles, fat park fat Powski's in the park. They're all riding like hellbents in the park. Um. But then there's a lot of backcountry stuff, and I feel like that was like. That was really, that's like the, the origin of fat park skis. I mean, there's probably like a few things that you could point to before, but I think that's like the, the thing that made me think to do that. Um, so I don't know. I think it's like with any of these things where it's like, you know, I, maybe I was probably one of the earlier people that was like dedicated sort of, like, fat, you know, like, 100 millimeters underfoot and, like, rockered park ski on the East Coast. Because it's, like, I don't know if it's impractical, (laughs) but it wasn't done that much at the time. There were probably some other people doing it. Uh, But I can, you know, pretty clearly be, like, oh, like, idea kind of got me on that. And then also, like, I think seeing, like, uh, some of the, like, mount snow guys who were in mammoth like kind of like montage do you know have you heard of montage mm-hmm. you know that crew yeah okay so montage was a crew out of mammoth that was all like southern vermont to mammoth um and so it was all like the the early guys were all like um nolan willard kevin malone um chris logan Stu halverson there's probably a few more uh and half of those guys are coaches at MHSFC, which is how I like, you know, I know a lot of them decently well, but I haven't talked to them forever. But then it's also like Nick Miles, Chris Logan, uh, and Parker White were all like montage affiliated because Sean Logan, Chris Logan's older brother, was in montage. Dude, it's so funny how everyone like names their crews. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, oh oh, I was like I would see the uh, like the those guys riding fatter skis in the park, and part of it was like it was springing mammoth, you know. So it was like slushy. Um, but so that was like you know pointed to it for me too, and I yeah. So I don't know. It's like it, it's like you when you can think about where your influences were coming from you're like i don't i don't really feel like i pioneered that it's just like all these guys were already doing it out west and then i you know it's like oh i want to do that style of skiing on the east coast or whatever uh
0: well dude apart maybe- yeah i mean just apart from this sk- the skis themselves you know apart from yeah. the gear, your style of skiing and also your yeah. fit like the hood over the helmet <laughs> is iconic like you know it's you just by seeing any clip in a video even without you know any context yeah but i don't fit and this is not an insult because you're a great <laughs> skier because i've but i don't think i've ever seen you do anything more than a 270 out of a rail <laughs> like your tricks were always super buttery super surface and just like slow and nice and just pressed out so like why why was that your style you know like why is that Uh, what you ended up gravitating towards i
1: i i couldn't tell you i could tell you some things that certainly like influenced that like i think idea idea was like a, a big influence um i also think that I think it was probably a combination of like those like early montage guys. Like I, at some point we were probably at MHSSC and they were like <laughs> Yeah, something like Yeah, like hopping swish, switch switch-ups is whack. And then I also think uh I don't I forget the like the name of them, but there were these really early like gibberish edits like Day in the Park at Breck or something like that. Yeah, I remember those. And it, it had like uh adam Dewarne, and he was like because i think he was the original like only surface swapper yeah uh and at some point i was like yeah like i'm i'm never hopping my switch-ups you know like i just wanted to be doing that uh and i think that this like slow rotations you know not i think a lot of that was idea influence and then i think you just start like it's like anything else you start yeah. like getting into that thing and you're like exploring it uh, and you're just getting like more and more stoked on it and i think like i think i was also like although i wouldn't have thought about it this way at the, at the time like at the time i think i would have been like oh i just think this is like the sickest way to ski or whatever i think part of it as i was like kind of building a brand in my head you know yeah. like Oh, this is how i ski you know like it's really excited about that um but also like sort of as a differentiating thing yeah Uh,
0: so i don't know well i think like another skier that i grew up watching with a very distinct style was lupe and i feel like you Mm -hmm. guys have very similar styles like i think that your tail press and his tail press are the two best tail presses and they're oh. kind of similar because you guys are super low and, like, a super yeah. late rotation. Um, but they are different, like, when you watch them. Like, Lupe is is, is definitely different from yours. But, uh, yeah, he comes to mind as someone that, like, has – like, you see his skin, you're like, yeah, that's him. You know? Yeah, totally. totally.
1: And I, I, think, I think that's – yeah, maybe. Uh, I also think, like, in the other – I feel like Lupe and I both kind of came up in the era when, like – you you like wanted your arms down while skiing and there was like a real emphasis on like smoothness and that was like really good style like being really smooth and like still almost they're just like super casual whereas now i think it's like you know there's like sections of skiers that have that style but it's a lot more like varied you know yeah, like it's all have... over the place now like you could see. yeah totally yeah. Yeah, And so I feel like Lupe and I maybe were both products of that. And we had like a little bit of that, like, you know, really going for like a certain nonchalance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like just like, Oh yeah. Like, it, like the whole style just has the whole like whatever attitude to it. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. just kind of like what it communicates. It's like, yeah, who cares? <laughs> it's like, it's like no big deal. This isn't hard. Like, you know, whatever. It, it was like a little bit like, uh, Because that was really like spin to win era.
1: You know what I mean? Like, that was, I feel like, I could be wrong, but a lot of that era was like when a lot of the like super spinny tricks were like starting to get popular. You know?
0: It's like Bobby Brown, like 1620 at X Games, and everyone's like, whoa, can you believe someone can spin that much? And and, like, also on like you know like oh yeah and like tom's putting what, out like the four by nine where he does it's like a 12 like, it, like his cumulative spin is like a 1260 on a box and it's like yeah, yeah there's yeah, a yeah, lot exactly. of spinning going on and, and it was like when you know
1: like elusives were like really cool like that was like oh shit, like that's a really like stick rail trick and so i think part of it's like a little bit like in response to that of being like no nah, it's not it's not just all about spinning
0: yeah that's so sick and yeah I think that's why people refer to you as like a pioneer for that style because like you were like yeah you were I'm trying to think of a word other than pioneer but like you were the guy doing it you know and you were like yeah I think it was right but it's also like you know I think that like
1: like definitely Henrik and B-dog were like right there they were probably just overall more talented so they had like a, a broader repertoire they were known like, for
0: other things My way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so a lot of great edits i mean there's an insane clip i'm gonna post this on the instagram of a okay. switch nose butter down the stairs at um at uh sugar Bush. that's just yeah. so it's disgusting it might be from the new intel edit or i saw a gif of it i gotta i gotta find the actual edit but um so let's talk about this. Let's talk about one last thing at Sugarbush before we really branch off because there's a whole yeah. other side of things. So what was up with your involvement with Nordica? Because at the time, it's like we're talking about another one of these influential people. Evan Williams made Nordica super, super cool for a period of time. And, right. and you were right in the mix of all that. So you want to talk about Nordica a little bit in that era? Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I was actually thinking Evan Williams would be like a sick person for you to have on here because yeah. you he would have like the, you know, just the full like ski industry perspective that I I don't really even have. Uh, yeah, so Nordica, I I got on Nordica at like maybe end of twenty twelve something, and it it was essentially like they had, I think Evan Williams had just graduated from St. Mike's. And just, like, probably through... Because he he had been, like, a sponsored skier for Vine. Uh, but I was also, like, obviously doing the new Intel stuff. And so probably just through that sort of, like, ski industry connections, he got hired as the team manager for Nordica. And I don't know exactly, like, how it all went down. But he, I think, was essentially, like, you know, he's, like, managing the full team. I think he... At some point, he like they had. I think Nordica's like strategy had been more like big comp skiers, so like they had TJ Schiller and Alex Shlope, Uh and he definitely dropped Alex Schlopy at some point, maybe one year after I'd been on there, uh, or something. But so he's like freeing up a lot of budget, essentially. Uh, but he also had, um, you know, like. Uh, he built out like a grassroots team. And that's like what Lupe got on. Sheldon was on that. Uh, Sam Parker was on that. Like a few other people were on that, but that's like, kind of like, you know, that's what, what I feel like line who I, you know, was previously sponsored by. They do super well. Like they have a a big, or at least at the time, like a big grassroots Program, uh, but so I haven't got on, you know, made that, uh, and then it was just like, kind of like someone that, that that like really knew what what was up, like had some influence in the company, uh, and like, you know, did some of the rebranding, like the block logo that we all like had the hoodies for, um, but just was able to get like the cool team and put out some cool edits, and he's like, you know, haven't like one of the original like great film or edit filmers uh and so he was also able to like leverage that essentially and then like you know like compton eventually ends up on nordica because evan knows them uh and just all these things and it's like it's kind of like the you know a playbook for making a ski brand cool like you get some like sort of smaller names on there and you have some money to do some like Kind of bigger projects um
0: well they did that insane project that i feel like has just been completely lost the time it was yeah. the, the k2 versus nordica like oh. bus challenge thing that free skier yeah. put on. i was trying to think okay this is what it was i was looking it up earlier i could not find it It was a free skier k2 yeah. versus nordica road trip, road trip challenge yes dude this is like were you, were you involved with that at all i don't think you were on that were you
1: i, I was yeah, I was on it. You I, were uh, okay. That's uh, Free had done that before. Like yeah, like years way before. back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so they did that. Uh, but I think that was all. I have no idea who funded that, but it was like Free Skier put on. But it was maybe just like whatever two companies were willing to like put up some money for it. Who knows, dude? But, I'm yeah. so
0: glad that you mentioned that it was Free Skier because I cannot remember for the life of me who put it on like i was looking it up i'm like oh, like what who hosted this because i remember it was yeah. versus nordica so you were in that yeah 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 oh my god dude. okay you gotta tell people about this because this shit's ridiculous <laughs> and it's like it's so fun and they like it's just it's a, it's outrageous so feel free <laughs> yeah so uh yeah essentially it's like
1: it's like king of the road and thrasher kind of where you have like a list of challenges uh that are like both ski related and not ski related so like i'm just trying to remember like one of them was like chug a pint of maple syrup uh there was like, like get a, a tattoo like yeah, get do a, a backflip over the van tattoo. yeah all this stuff uh and then you you know it's two teams in these rvs for a week uh and you're just, like, filming everything, just like any sort of reality TV show. Um, dude, and I've actually never watched it to this day, because when it came out, I was, like, so embarrassed. Just, like, couldn't, couldn't stand the thought of, like, watching myself do these challenges. Uh,
0: do you remember I've the teams? Because the teams were insane. Like, it was there were some big names on these teams.
1: Well, I think, dude, the, the K... Yeah, both teams, actually. So Stab. the Nordic <laughs> team was me Dale and Compton and then I think Evan Williams was our filmer and then also or maybe and then Peter Cerulli who's a photographer yeah uh, uh Hank Lampert he's like a free skier guy but it's like a, a crazy personality but then the K2 team is like just as if not more stacked and it's like Clayton Noah, Sean Jay. and yeah. then I is it
0: do you know who is it max gorham yeah max gorham yeah was he the last i believe so yeah he was the last one yeah it was three versus three dude
1: yeah and so and it's like because that was also the year uh it was a year after i like met all those guys in colorado so it's like yeah i don't know it's it's always like when you're a kid like you know, it's such a, that would be like the craziest dream ever. But then it's like, once you get there, it's like, oh, this is, I mean, it's sick and it's like just an absurd experience, but it's also like, oh, these are just all my friends, you know? Like, yeah. Me and like used to sleep in the same room for like every summer at Hood. And so it's like, oh, yeah. So it's, it's crazy. But yeah, it's, it's one of those moments of just like being like, oh, damn, like, you know this is kind of living the dream but it's also so different than i thought but it's so amazing
0: yeah dude anyone that has not seen that look up what did yeah. you, what was it called again it was the free skier it was the road trip challenge or something like that
1: yeah free skier road trip challenge
0: that dude i am so glad i asked you about that because i completely <laughs> i like i knew it was the nordica team but i completely forgot that you were in it and i I seriously think that's one of the most underrated pieces of ski media of all time. Like no oh, one talks wow. about it. and It is hilarious that you should honestly watch it all these years later. It's, it's so yeah. good. It'll be a good throwback. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> all right. So that's our Nordica talk. So yeah. we, we've basically made it 40 something minutes without mentioning the bunch once. Oh and yeah, yeah. And that's crazy because like, for people that don't know you pretty much introduce alex hackle to the bunch guys and now he like lives yeah. with them and is like in business with them huh. and uh yeah so if you're wondering why kieran's on this is why <laughs> like he you have like a legitimate impact on skiing ab- apart from being like a, lo- a regional legend
1: yeah <laughs> that's that's yeah It's funny to talk about yeah um yeah the bunch dude uh I mean, I still think the bunch are, like, the sickest. And so I was I was thinking about this, too, because I figured it would come up. And I can't remember, like, exactly how I met those guys. But essentially, it was, like, um, 20, 2012, 2013 that year. I was living in Colorado. And, like, you know, you know, like, every crew from Scandinavia at the time, they'd do their, like, couple months in the u.s in, living in breck yeah uh, but i think just like laughing keystone and breck i ended up meeting those guys and it's like i you know i was already familiar with their work like in, in particular like uh Mac, you know he has like some of the some of his older edits like uh is a set it called soul skiing have you ever seen it
0: no i don't believe so
1: oh dude it's like it's like, I haven't watched it in so long, but it, it'll, like, stand up today for sure. Like, he's, you know, like, doing some insane jump tricks. Um, and then, uh, so, like, I, I already knew they're skiing, you know, and, like, I think it was a year after LSM had won Super Unknown. So, everyone, like, kind of was, like, a little bit aware of the bunch. Um, But, yeah, I, I essentially, just started skiing with those guys a bunch, really started skiing with Maxi um a bunch in Colorado and then just like kept it going. Uh and like went to hood. And I was living at MHSFC, but I was skiing with those guys like every day as much as I could. Um and they're they're just like I, I feel like it's not no one doesn't know this now, but they're like a pretty special crew and like At the time, like, you know, they were just so, like, creative and, like, so open about skiing and such good homies, too, uh, that it was just a cool environment to ski in. It was, like, super fun, and everyone was just, like, pushing it all these different directions. Um, And then I just, uh, you know, I got, like, a couple shots in Far Out, which was, like, their first, I think, like, really big movie that... That I uh, got like a lot of good traction, <laughs> and then the next year I did a few trips with them, or maybe just one like big trip. And like, I that because that year I was in college, and I just essentially spent my whole winter break in Sweden skiing with those guys, which was sick. Um, and it, that was just like contrast of worlds. Um, yeah, uh, and that was like. I don't want to say that was like it, but that's like the the broad strokes of what it was. Um, but I also think it's like, you know, it's like history, right? Where it's like you could say like, "Oh, Alex Hackle knows the bunch," because I, I don't even know if I was the one that introduced them or not. What? But I was, like, yeah. One of the closest yeah. Or you could be like, that was like the flow of history. And it just happened to be me, you
0: know? Like that was, that's what was meant to happen. And you were just the conduit that just happened to be there at the time.
1: And if it hadn't been me, it would have been Cole Gibson or someone else. Yeah.
0: I I like that. Yeah. Cause I was going to, I'm glad I didn't interrupt you because in an interview with Magnus, he says, uh, so I'm reading from the interview now. He says, I first met Hackle in the spring at Mount Hood in 2014 kieran mcveigh who had been filming uh, within sweden earlier that year brought hackle over to our apartment in govey and i oh. uh, said i knew of him because he saw some other edit and then kieran had shown hackle a compilation of my finesse and less footy, and hackles more hyped on it than anyone and it was big and uh and that was it and yeah like that was and like you said it was probably going to happen anyways yeah but, but the the Force of the universe went through you and made that connection and it's stamped in history now. Like you're the one that put him on and made that introduction.
1: Totally. Dude, I actually remember like I distinctly remember uh showing Hackle that like Magnus's that cut he's talking about. Yeah. Me, Hackle, Gaeta and and I think Liam were on a like a urban trip in Quebec City. And we're all just, like, you know, in some kind of crappy motel room. Although this motel had mirrors on the ceiling, which is always, like, oh, a little weird. Yeah. Uh, but I was, like, in the bunch, like, probably, like, the Facebook group or something of that time. You know, Magnus had put this cut up, and I was, like, oh, should we watch it? And they're all, like, yeah, let's check this out. And we are all just, like, oh, my God, this is, like, so sick like we watched it and then we were just like dumbfounded. And I feel like that was, that might've been the year before the year Magnus won Super Unknown, but it was like, I think it was a year after actually won Super Unknown. But it's like, you know, sometimes like you see videos come out and you, know, you kind of know this is, this is going to be a big deal. And you're just kind of watching someone, you know, like almost transcend feels like a powerful word, but just like emerge into like really be doing something different, and I feel like that was what we all, you know, like watching that cut because yeah. um, that it was it was like mind-blowingly good in both like super gnarly, super creative, super stylish. Um, yes, yeah, so I distinctly remember showing hack all that cut but i don't necessarily remember the exact uh time bringing him over to the the bunch apartment in gubby
0: yeah that's so crazy dude just yeah yeah you got front row seats to just the bunch explosion and uh and everyone talks about it the same way they're like they honestly everyone says they're like when i like talking as them they're like when I first saw Magnus skiing, I knew it was something like incredible and different and special. Like everyone describes like seeing the bunch for the first time is like this, like this mind blowing experience.
1: Totally. And, and I think I, I mean, I think it's a, a lot of those, like, <laughs> I think that they, uh, I guess how how am I trying to phrase this? I think any over any individual one of them, it's like when you were first skiing with them all. It's it's weird because you don't want to like put them too much on a pedestal because you're like, they're you know, they're just skiers having fun. But like those the first year when I was skiing with those guys in Colorado, it just seemed like they were all on such the same like wavelength like it was like an artist commune or something. And they were like a hive
0: mind. Like there's no individual. It's all just worker bees in the same hive. No, (laughs) actually
1: it's, it's it's like a hive mind in that they're all in the same wavelength, but all in their own individual way. So, and like, they're they're all like pretty far out in their own way skiing, but they're all just feeding off each other in a, in a super positive way. Dude. I think the other thing that, uh, You know, obviously everyone knows like Hackle's an insane skier now. But Hackle's progression over like like one or two years was insane. I think that because he went to Windells Academy, I think, for like a couple years, somewhere in there. He went from being like I think like a not very good park skier to like one of the best park skiers in the world. Probably like you know. I don't exactly know but like probably could like barely do quark sevens to being like one of the first person people or maybe the first person to do it. it's like triple ten in like two or three years which was just it was mind-blowing to watch that progression uh and so that that was another thing where it wasn't you know like seeing hackles progress it that was equally as mind-blowing as anything i've seen in skiing going from being like oh it's like you know kind of like grom like ripping and progressing fast to being like oh he's literally one of the best like that was the best switch 10 i've ever seen
0: yeah that's so insane and so i mean when you basically fell out of the scene because of injuries did you just keep like did you stay up to date on what was going on or did you did like once your skin cut off did you cut everything else off
1: no, I'm I'm still like a lurker on new scores. Yeah, like I don't I don't really have Instagram, so I'm I'm pretty out of the scene in that way. Yeah, but I've stayed lurking, you know, throughout college. So through like 2017, I was definitely lurking like almost every
0: day on new scores. So you saw so, the bunch just continue to like skyrocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah totally. So sick, dude. That's so yeah. sick. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that takes me close to the end of everything I got. Like, is there anything, is there anything else you want to talk about, dude? Like I feel like we touched on a a lot of the stuff that, that comes to mind for you. So yeah. Anything, anything left unsaid, you think?
1: Uh, One of the things I, I was thinking about a lot, like coming out of this podcast is like, now it's like, I'm in such a different phase of life and it's, I also always think about, you know, cause like now I'm like training for a triathlon and I'm, I'm not like super hard or stoked on it, but I'm pretty stoked on it. Like, yeah. But when I was 17, I was like, Oh man, if I'm ever just running for fun, just like, shoot me. That's so whack. Yeah. And so, but also I think that, and so I'm like, trying to think about like almost like words of wisdom or something where it's like
0: well i mean you've seen you've basically at this point had your full career arc and a lot of people don't like see it at such a young age so you know like you saw your rise and then and now you're done with it and now you're just like now you're a 30 year old old head like just doing talking about the good old days but um (laughs) yeah i guess and i guess i think it would be insightful if you could like uh like just words of wisdom if you want to call it that that seems like grand but like just spit some game to yes. the younger kids who are like in their career where like you said like two injuries and you're like oh yeah i'm done skiing in this way pretty much forever so yeah i don't know if you want to if you yeah. like, queued up like that that you've been sitting on for years but Well, it's not, like, so grand, but I think it's just, like,
1: you know, when I think about the best times I ever had skiing, well, I think about two things that I think were super enlightening. One is, like, I got to have all these sick experiences, you know, like getting paid for to go to Sweden or, like, free skate road trip challenge or whatever. But I'm, like, literally the best times I had ever skied like, that – winter of 2012 skiing with like Gata and Leah McKinley and PJ every day at Sugarbush. And so that was before like, you know, I was sort of on the come up, but it was just like skiing with my friends and that's always been the best part. And I feel like, uh, you know, that's, it's like everyone always says that, right. But it can't be said enough where it's like, literally whatever you're doing, just having fun with your friends is the best part. Uh, and then I think the other thing is, it's like when I was younger, I remember like pushing so hard and like wanting so bad to be sponsored and then wanting so bad to like be pro and make a little bit of money off skiing. And then it's like, I signed my first pro contract and I'm it's like, I, I mean you know it's like you're not making anything it's like you might get a, a, a couple thousand dollars or whatever I'm sure because I was never like really fully pro the way but I don't, I, I don't know what the contracts are now um, but it, it was like and I thought it was going to be like this big and on one hand it was so sick and I was so grateful but on the other hand I was like disappointed because I was like oh all the other things in life like I'm still trying to figure out like at the time I was like, I'm like still trying to get a girlfriend and I'm not like immediately have like insane confidence or whatever. (laughs) And so I feel like it's all this stuff where it's like, you know, the best parts of skiing are just like having fun with your friends. And that's the same with anything. And it's, you know, now that I don't really ski anymore, but it's still like my, one of my my favorite things to do. I like go surf with my buddies or for a while when I wasn't surfing, it was like go rock climb and so it's just like when you get older it gets so easy for those things to like come out of your life because you just like when you're in college or high school you have so much more free time or just like in a couple years after a high school or whatever it's like eventually all the structure in your life starts pushing you away from doing those things where it's like oh you got more responsibilities, like or you have like a partner who maybe doesn't do all those things, even if they're awesome. Uh, And so it's like, you just have to keep making time for those things and then they're still the best. And it's not like, yeah, I don't know. It's like you say the things like that and I'm like, Oh man, please don't put this in the podcast. It's so whack. But I also think it's one of the things where like, it's really easy for that stuff to fade. And so I could, you know, for me it's gone in cycles where it's like, you know, I'll end up surfing less or I, like, won't have the thing. And then it's like, oh, I'll start skating more and be, like, at the skate park every day or it's, like, I'm taking, like, every opportunity I can to go surf. Uh, and then every time I come back to it, I'll be like, oh, damn, I missed this. And that's what I felt like. Like, Sugarbush felt like that kind of during the pandemic. because and, and Talty would tell me, like, told me this. He's like, you know, everyone, like, kind of went away. And then the pandemic happened and like they couldn't do the other things they did so everyone came back to skiing and it was like so fun yeah. uh, and so I feel like that's you know that's that's what it's all about and it's also like I, you know I don't know how, I don't know what your average like listener is I don't know if this is like a super in the industry podcast or there's a bunch of like sort of average Joe skiers I think it's a bunch but of regular people
0: that- in their early 20s yeah <laughs>
1: But yeah, it's like, you know, essentially, you're always going to have the things that push you away from, or it just gets easier and easier to have those things that push you away. And it's, it's like, I, I don't structure my life around skiing or surfing the way I once did, but it's still, uh, you know, it's still like a balance, uh, and having this thing is this. It's great. I mean, probably everyone knows that, but you have to like fight for it too. Um, and it, it's like a, a thing to think about as you make life decisions. Because I've made decisions where I'm like, oh, it'll be all right." Like, you know, you know, I won't be able to like do X thing as much. And then, like a year or two later, I'm like, oh, damn, that was that was a mistake." Because these are things I love to do. Uh, so I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that's cut but that is something I, i think about all the time and it's like being removed from my career you know more than anything i'm just like i'm just glad i have this thing i love to do and i can still do it to some extent or get like the same feeling surfing now than i did when i was a kid skiing
0: yeah dude that was a beautiful way to close it out you want to uh you want to give any shout outs you want to plug anything before i let you go Oh, uh,
1: yeah, I, I can give some shout outs. Now I'm old and sentimental. Totally. Yeah. it's like, You know, I, I just think that, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I just have so much appreciation for so many people, but it's like everyone I really like ever skied with a lot, you know, like the original Sugarbush crew and that like, even the people I like really grew up skiing with, like super young, and that's like uh yeah like um you know like jeff deforge who was like i was skiing my phone i was like middle school charlie may for uh and like ben kessler ryan del mico and like those are all you know like my friends from when i was a kid but i hadn't had a chance to mention yet and then also like all the people at like the Mount Hood summer ski camp and all those guys I met at Hood and, uh, yeah, just like all my friends over the years, uh, skiing, but also just like making that so fun. And then also like, yeah, all the guys in the bunch, all the HG guys who like lived in Mammoth and Talti and then it's, yeah, now you start going on the list, you know, like, I don't want to miss anyone, but yeah. just, uh, everyone that made skiing so fun for me and just, uh, yeah you know all, all those guys like it was it was great
0: yeah that's sick all right and uh are we gonna see uh are we gonna see a karen mcveigh edit anytime soon
1: <laughs> dude i i was thinking about because now that i'm 30 i'm like maybe i can get the that like opposite age claim you know yeah. like you see the like 13 year old does X. yeah yeah I'm like, maybe I can make like an all eight edit because those are, were those a thing when you were in the scene? Yeah, dude, of course. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I, I, cause I think I could still do that. uh So maybe I'll do a little one. I also had, you know, me, the other fantasy I had, but I won't, I won't, I don't think I'll do this. It's just like dropping an all backcountry booter edit with like a dub 10 and i just have to like train super hard on the trampoline for like you know a year or something but that one's that one's fully a fantasy yeah
0: well dude i appreciate you accepting my linkedin request i appreciate oh yeah of course
1: that's how you uh you know once you're 30 that's your main social media
0: (laughs) well i'm glad i found you on there and uh yeah thank you again for coming on dude that was fun
1: yeah yeah of course i appreciate it dude, have fun at x games that i'm i'm jealous i've
0: never been it just seems like a, a great time <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude yeah. thank you